Welcome to the Less Doing Podcast, episode 164 with Josh Davis of Two Awesome Hours. And hello, Felix. Hey, mate. How's it going? It's going well. How was your Father's Day? Happy Father's Day. That was great. I had a really good time, actually. Yeah, not bad at all. We went uh, out for breakfast, brunch in the morning with everyone, and um, then we went to the Vanderbilt Museum, and then we went to... I oh, know we went to Home Depot and then we went to the Vanderbilt Museum. But yeah, so wow. it was a good day. There How about nice. yourself? Yeah, uh, it was good. We had a we had an easy day. I think we um, we went to three different parks. Oh yeah, and, um, <laughs> which was good. And uh, Anna and Sebastian made me pancakes in the morning, but yeah, uh, Sebastian ate them all ate them all before I can have any. So, uh, <laughs> but it was the thought that counted. <laughs> so. Uh, it was good. It was very nice. Um, and speaking of days uh, that are worth celebrating, uh, there's a there's two yeah. days there's two days this week that are worth noting. One is June 23rd, which is tomorrow uh, when we record this, and uh, that is Let It Go Day. So this is the uh, perfect oh, yeah. occasion to stop wasting your energy on negative feelings from the past and instead focus on building yourself a positive future. So Tuesday, June 23rd, is official Let It Go Day. Oh well, I'm going to note that down. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, that would be very and helpful. Possibly more fun is that on Friday, the 26th, is Take Your Dog to Work Day. So <laughs> I know it doesn't matter to you. It doesn't apply uh, to me. I'm not going to comment on that. On that. No, and, and I'm working in uh, in one of the bedrooms of our house. So uh, I guess uh, every day is Take Your Dog to Work Day right now. <laughs> well, well, I think uh, for you, it's it's. Put your dog on your lap today. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So we'll put both uh, dogs on your lap today. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, so it's worth noting. Um, so also, I wanted to say. So I, I actually, I, I haven't. This isn't like out there yet for people to see, but I'm playing around with this new plugin for the podcast that will uh, automate part of the process of creating the blog posts, which is really cool. Uh, and it's, it's. I'm still tweaking it, so it's not there yet. But one of the things that it does is it actually puts all of our reviews right into my right into the WordPress dashboard. Uh, and what I realized, two things. One. All of our U.S. reviews for the podcast have been five stars, which I think is worth noting. So I think we, we deserve oh. a little pat on the back for that. Uh, but what Thank I you. what I haven't paid well, attention to... And a, and a shout out to those kind of people who gave us the five stars. Of course, exactly. <laughs> That's, but, but more, not more probably, yeah. sorry, but, but in addition, what I found realized is that we actually have completely been ignoring the reviews from the non-U.S. Oh, iTunes really? stores. Well, or ignoring... Yeah, I or told, like, that unaware. didn't even occur to me. Unaware, yeah. Unaware. I mean, we just haven't been unaware. So the latest review, is, which I'm going to read, is from the UK. Uh, and That's this cool. one came to us yesterday from SI1605. And he or she says, this is an indispensable podcast to me. Each podcast is split into two sections. In the first part, Ari and sometimes another person <laughs> discuss the latest productivity hacks and apps that they have found. Very useful and always a part. I have a pen and paper ready to write down what I'm going to try out next. In the second part, Ari interviews a guest about their productivity tips, an excellent podcast that I will recommend to all. So 
So thank you, SI1605 from the UK. And uh, if you're, uh, that may be one of your family members though, Felix, just being nice. <laughs> no, definitely not. No, no, no. They would have, they would have, um, they would have identified themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. They certainly would have identified themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so oh, cool. before we get to the links, I want to, uh, to point out to everybody that the Less Doing podcast pulls together the top experts in the industry to help you optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life so you can start doing the things you really want to do again. What if you could mm. reclaim your time and make everything in life easier? What would you do and who would you spend that time with? Less Doing is about you, and it's the easiest way to learn and implement a huge amount of productivity tools into your life. Whether you're a crazy, busy business owner, a tired executive in a large company, or a stressed out soccer mom, we've brought it all together for you to help you overcome the overwhelm in your life. For the latest how-tos and actionable tips on becoming more productive, sign up for our new newsletter over at lessdoing.com. And if you want to dive deeper, you can sign up for a free coaching call, a real coaching call over at lessdoingcall.com. And you can talk to one of my Less Doing coaches who I've trained myself. They really know what they're doing. And they can help you in your next steps towards a more productive life. The first call is totally free and you can get a lot of actual tips to make everything in life easier again. So, uh, you know, I just got back from Vancouver the other day. I know. How, how, how was it, man? It was, I mean, awesome. I know we spoke a bit, but it was yeah. awesome. Um, so I, I've never been to Vancouver and first of all, I mean, I wasn't there very long. I was there for 23 hours, but it was a beautiful city. From what I saw, and then I got to yeah, take the seaplane over. Wonderful. Mm. Yeah, and well, it's a, it's a relatively new city in some ways, so I think that's part of it. I mean, it, I mean, you know, it's a hundred years old, but it, relatively, it's like a new city, and it feels very new. Everything, like all the buildings, are really clean looking. Everything feels very new, and uh, mm. it feels a little bit like San Francisco, actually. So, uh, anyway, oh, it was really? great. I spoke to EO an Entrepreneur Organization in Vancouver, which was really fun, really great group of people, and then I took a seaplane over to Victoria which is uh, sort of, it's not a little island, it's an island in Van- off of Vancouver. And mm-hmm. I spoke to EO Victoria. And Victoria is where Dave Asprey actually lives. So it's kind of funny. Okay. But it was a really cool day. Um, I was in, <laughs> I, I got into Vancouver at 1.15 or so. I, I got to the hotel at 1.45. I checked out of the hotel at 5.50 and uh, was on my way. So I think it was my, my shortest hotel stay ever. Oh, wow. That is sure. But it was, uh, it was a really good trip. And uh, I also, on the way back from Victoria, I got to sit in the, the right, the co-pilot seat of the seaplane. So that was yeah. cool. <laughs> Wait, how many people were in the seaplane? Like eight. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. How did yeah. you get, because I saw, I saw your pictures on Instagram. I was following your, your trip somewhat. <laughs> and, um, did you, you just ask the pilot? I just asked. I mean, it's like, like it's yeah. a commercial flight. It's a commercial flight. Um, but and the like, other people, the other people are probably so uh, completely uh, do this regularly. And well, that's uh, the thing. It's like it's like a commuter yeah. plane. Like people are just doing wow. that regularly. So wow. yeah, it was cool. It was really funny too. The, the the safety video is played on an iPad with this like they made this like metal bracket to hold it behind the pilot's head. So he turns it on, slips it in. You watch the video, and then he takes it away. Okay. Wow. I like I like I've had a few Exciting. experiences like that where I've flown on small planes, but they were commercial. Uh, like from a big airline. So I really like that actually the experience when you're on, you know, it's a, it's an official commercial flight. It's regulated. There's safety features. There's all sorts of things that you do, you know, are required by law, but it's still a tiny plane with like eight people on it. So yeah, I, right. I always love that. Was it windy at all or it looked pretty still actually from the flight? No. Yeah. It was totally fine. We had some rain, yeah. but uh, it was, it yeah. was very, very easy. Landing on the water is really fun. Wow. I bet. So awesome. 
Uh, okay, so I've got a bunch of links. You've got a bunch of links. It's been a few. It's been a couple weeks since we've done an episode together. So uh, the first one I want to tell everyone about is called Coral. And th- this is one of those links, you know, we share these sometimes where it's a link that's not necessarily that innovative, what they're doing, but I still think it's something useful and can make people's lives easier. So this is called mm-hmm. Coral. And what it does is it's, uh, it's an interactive home guide that you create for guests who are staying at your house. So this is one of the many services that help support like Airbnb people. Mm-hmm. So like you can tell them, you know, where all the local stuff is and, and in each room, you know, like how they turn on the TV and how they access the Wi-Fi and like who to call if there's a plumbing issue, that kind of thing. Uh, but it just creates this really nice, easy to use interactive guide. Well, that's cool. So, so wait, who, who would use this exactly? Uh, so like if you're going to rent your house out on Airbnb or if you're just renting okay. it in general. Okay. Yeah. That is really clever. Yeah, I think it's, like, you know, in I, general, yeah. again, it's not like amazingly innovative that somebody came up with this idea, but I Wait. think it's really useful. And it's an app or it's a... It looks like it's a web app, actually, is what it, I think. Okay. I think. So, oh, okay. you, you create it and, it, you know, it looks like an app, but it's not, I don't, I don't think it's technically an app. It's early, um, it's still so in basically beta. people can have, have all the details in this, in it, on their smartphone sort of organized as opposed to like in one text file. Exactly. That they would get. Yeah, I see. That's very cool. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. God, yeah. Yeah, I um, that would be great to have just at home in general. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Cool. So that's the first one. The second one, uh, this is this is a, an article, and I think this is really, really important. So it's from Medical Daily, and the title of the article is that positive results from lab tests shouldn't alarm you, what the numbers really mean. And this is some, something that I've actually, I, for some reason, I've had a particular fascination with this for a very, very long time, because... I used to be yeah. quite the hypochondriac when I was younger, and I was always afraid that I had, like, everything. And Ironic. there was a book called Calculated Risks, and mm-hmm. it, it was a really, really – this was, like, in high school. It was a really good statistics book that talks about basically how, like, numbers can deceive us. And mm-hmm. there's been a number of books on this topic since then. But what they're talking about in this one is that, like, the, the – was it the HPV and the PPV test, which are technically, like, sexually transmitted diseases – uh, and how a lot of the times the tests can give you a positive result, but you actually don't have the illness. So they gave an example, too, that there was a study of mammograms that found that over 95% of people whose tests came back positive did not actually have breast cancer. Okay, yeah. So, so and I'll give you a really crazy example. Mm-hmm. So as a, as a straight male with no other risk factors like drug use or things like that, if you get a positive test result on an HIV test, the, ad, the odds that you are actually, uh, 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 that you're actually infected is 50-50. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is the reason. So I can explain this really quickly. Uh, so the test basically, and then the reason is this is for, because there's false positive. So if, so if you are a, a healthy male with no other risk factors, as I said, you know, so you're not, uh, you're not using intravenous drugs or things like that. Your your odds or your risk of getting HIV, at least this is when the study was done, were one in ten thousand. Okay, so okay. one in ten thousand. Okay. Now the test itself is ninety nine point nine nine percent accurate. So what that means is that out of every ten thousand tests, there will be one false positive. Okay. 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 So false positive, meaning that it says positive, but you're not. So mm-hmm. that so that means that if you so basically in ten thousand tests there'll be one that's positive and it's true and one that's not positive i'm sorry sorry they're both gonna be positive but only one of them is actually positive mm-hmm. so that means that the odds are 50 50 actually that if you get 
positive test. So what they say is that if you are a healthy person like that and you don't have those distractions, you get a positive result, you should try to try to remain calm and get retested. Uh, and and uh, it's okay. crazy too because in the tests themselves, they test like two or three times for redundancy, but there's still that percentage of false positives. So oh, really. And just as a you know, very clear disclaimer here, like we're not saying that if you get positive test results and things, then they're obviously wrong. But the point is that you need to understand what the numbers are telling you and possibly get retested, probably get retested. So right. really, really good article worth reading. It's not long at all. Wow. So, so nice. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next one is uh, this is uh, pretty cool. So it's called uh, Warrant Warrantly. And basically, I feel like if you want to have a web company now, all you have to do is either end, end, take a word that is what you do and end it with L-Y or S-Y, and then you're a web company. So it's yeah, like warrant. Right. <laughs> so warrantly is uh, paper warranties are no more. Basically, what this is is that uh, you scan your warranty or you just snap a picture of the receipt and warranty and then okay. upload it to the app and the, the, does text recognition and all this stuff. And then basically, you it it files all of your warranties and receipts and everything for you. So why would you, why would you use that instead of Evernote? Okay, so that's a very fair question. Uh, so I generally speaking, I probably I probably wouldn't. But what this is doing, in addition, because it's specifically for this kind of a niche thing, is that mm -hmm. uh, it, it's since it's meant for warranties, like it's going to tell you when time is running out, for example, on a warranty uh, automatically. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. So. There's that specific benefit. The truth is, though, like one of the things that I do is I buy just about everything through Fetch now. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of the reason for that is that if there's anything ever wrong with anything, I can just text Fetch and say, like, hey, there's something wrong with this thing. You know, and then, yeah. they, then they can go back and check their records. That's one of the big yeah. benefits to me is having them be like a, a purchasing concierge. Well, I did. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a red herring. But um, so I had a problem with a Blu-ray player that I bought from fancy hands um or amazon or something i had fancy hands return it because it wasn't it was screens flickering and i like checked the cables i'm like a really techie guy as you know and of course like, no, it's not the cable it's got to be the player and then i speak to talk to my wife about it and she says i think you need to tell me what the problem is and i'm gonna look into this does <laughs> a quick search sorry i order another player get the new one and lo and behold same problem so sure enough, there's really? got to be something else wrong. Player does a quick web search. It's a setting that Blu-ray players have with like certain devices. Yeah, and you have to like go into screen settings and set it from like output resolution from like not resolution, but like a color management thing from four what? to four to four two two, and bam, there we go. Everything's working great. Uh huh. So, so it was like a real, although. I was really impressed with Fancy Hands because they, they got Amazon to return this item even though it was after 90 days and they did a great job. And was really and clearly nothing was wrong with it. <laughs> but, but what would have been more effortless was doing a Google search and actually, you know, not going through that process. But anyway, there we go. That's a good, I mean, hey, <laughs> sage advice. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, so, so the next one, this is badass. Okay, so this is called UltraDocs. Okay. Okay. So this is this is like the best way to describe this is this is like um, like IFTTT or Zapier, but for documents. Okay? okay. So you can automate a whole bunch of stuff uh, that has to do with documents using UltraDocs. So, for example, uh, you can insert a spreadsheet as a live table, or pick a desired column, or pre predefined layouts, 
or uh, insert a table with a click. Like it's basically a lot of automation that have to do with with documents essentially. So load mm-hmm. content, load data from spreadsheet, generate a PDF, upload document, send document, uh, and this all works with like Google Docs and uh, uh, free. Okay, so here's one example they give is create badges for contacts from your Gmail address book. So basically, like if you add someone to an, a group in your Gmail address book, then it will create a visual like a badge for them that you can then print out. Uh, and you can oh, even okay. you, you can even autom- automatically have it printed by having the next step be to send it to the printer, for example. And is this a is this a website? Is it a an app? Or? It's a it's a it's a web app basically. Web so app, you I log see. you log in with your Google account, and then it sort of goes to work from there. This is really okay. really cool. Um, so it's sort of like having a macro built in. Yeah, the, yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, exactly. but probably probably a bit easier to use than them. Exactly. Much. Yeah. How cool. So like yeah, it's very, very cool. You know, if you're doing a lot of stuff with documents, like templates and stuff or, or creating invoices, this is, this is really neat. So I like yeah. it. Um, okay. So the next one, uh, I, did I mention this before the Veer scan? Did I have you told you about this? I don't think so. What okay. Okay. So no, I haven't. Good. So this is a, um, pretty cool. So it's a company called, it's a test actually called Veer scan, V I R S C A N. And it is a $25 test that uses mm-hmm. a prick of blood, or a, okay. a drop of blood, and it will basically give you a report of every virus you've ever been exposed to. <laughs> really? Exposed to meaning that, that you've had? Or? Yeah, yeah, meaning like, you know, chicken pox from when you were a kid up until, you know. The, really? Yeah. So it's pretty wow. interesting. So there's a thousand strains from 206 species of viruses. And what it's doing is it's looking for the antibodies to match pretty much every known virus that matches a human. So they, they've done this. It's a it's a te- it's a it's in a trial right now. So they did a test on 570 people and they had an average of 10 viruses each or they had everything exposed to it. So on the one hand, this could be totally freaky for somebody because they might find out that they've like been exposed to hepatitis C and like all these things when they were or who knows. Uh, right. But at the same time, I'd actually think it's really interesting because you may have some health issues going on that are, maybe they're kind of benign or maybe you don't, you know, you're just not sleeping well or you really don't know what it is. And you may, it may be because you <coughs> have been exposed hmm. to one or a combination of viruses at some point in your life wow. that you weren't aware so, of. And do you know if the $25 includes like the results and everything? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it wow. is. It's a $25 test for the result. And you get like a printout of all, all the bad stuff in your body or that was wow, in your body. incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So um, I obviously want to take that test as soon as it comes out, but um, it's not completely available yet, but I'm pretty excited about that. And, you know what? It's more, to me, it's it's not so much like getting like a list or anything like that. It's just that I, I love, I love where, not where medicine is going, but where diagnostics is going. You know, not only, like, this is from one drop of blood, first of all. So that means that most of the tests that, uh, I, that's not fair, I can't say that, but a lot of the tests that you, that require just one drop of blood, you can do at home, which is really right. nice. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think, yeah. oh, maybe you weren't around at, at our house that one time, but I, I mean, I, with Inside Tracker, I've, Oh, no, 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 we, we were there. We were there. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. And I think, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I did Claire's. Yeah. I did Claire's test too. That's right. So yeah. it, the more stuff, in my opinion, the more stuff that you can do with a drop of blood and uh, saliva and urine and uh, and hair, you know, even all these things that we, that means we can just get so much more information, so much more frequently. Because another part of that is obviously it's like annoying to have to go and. Or, or not annoying, but like it's unpleasant necessarily to go get like a big blood jar or anything like that. But the problem is that a lot of people, you know, they'll get tested once a year, which is 
for the vast majority of people, that's totally fine. But if you're able to do this with just a little drop of blood or you know some saliva, you can test things every single yeah. day if you want. And it's not a big deal. And that's really cool. I think that's a really interesting way that we can get information. Wow. Yeah, so absolutely. You know, th- to me, this is more, this is way more than just like, oh, you know, you can get a list of the viruses. To me, this is, this is really just like a big step forward for, for yeah. diagnostics. So I love it. Um, okay. So then the next one is, uh, called inbox voodoo. Okay. So mm-hmm. this is interesting. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I really need to try this out more. But so far, it's actually pretty cool. Um, so what this is, is it's uh, what they say is see the emails that need your attention. Don't be trapped by your inbox. Okay. So basically, mm-hmm. it does three things. One is the auto magic task lists. So the extension will update with new requests as they arrive in your inbox and shrink as you reply to these messages. So this is almost like a visual thing. Um, instant alerts. They'll alert you when a new important message arrives and you don't have to check your inbox every five minutes. So it basically... No matter what tab you're on, it will come up with an email that it actually is important. And okay. yeah, and <laughs> you can reply and follow up seamlessly from the extension, which is funny because the founder of followup.cc is one of the lead testimonials on the site. So uh, okay. yeah, it's to me, this is like another packaging of stuff that already exists, but it's a nice packaging of it. It's an extension and uh, it's, this yeah, is cool. Nice. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So I, I, I would I would recommend people try this out and see how it works for them. My experience with things like this is like with followup.cc or followup.net or Boomerang or Rightbox. There's like a lot of ones that do similar functionality, but they they look different or they feel different, you know, and people just have different uh, preferences sometimes with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, for example, you love Mailbox, you know, and I, I don't. I absolutely love Mailbox. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would, I would try this because, I mean, I don't have Mailbox on my... Um, if I if I were using, I think I need to upgrade my operating system on my computer to run Mailbox, the actual computer, the desktop version of it. Mm. Um, but either way, using Mailbox on the phone doesn't change how I use Gmail on the computer. So, right. Um, so it, it's fine, you know. Um, but yeah, I really like that. I really like that idea. So cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. So two more. Actually, before I get to my two more, I know that you got a couple of things you wanted to share too. So why don't we go to that? Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, did I tell? Did I talk about on the show about taking a vitamin B complex? No. I no. Uh, Claire talked to me about it, but no, you didn't. No, because I mean, I'm taking that, and um, my God, the energy level difference. I mean, I have a lot of energy anyway. It's not really a big deal, but. I mean, I don't really need my morning coffee anymore because I'm taking <laughs> B-complex. I mean, I still really? have it because I like it, but it literally is that much of a noticeable difference. And it really made me, you know, I haven't really taken any supplements before, but um, it's actually encouraging me to consider other other supplements as well just because of this is such a noticeable difference. And I know that you're into nootropics and all of that. So um, I might experiment with some of those as well. What made you decide to start taking it? Well, Claire recommended it because she, it really helps her. She does have energy issues, you know. Yeah. Um, and, um, I mean, Anna takes a B complex. So yeah. It's, yeah. And I mean, it, it turns your, turns your pee fluorescent yellow, but um, that's not really a negative side effect. And it's actually, it helps because it reminds you when you pee and it's not yellow. It reminds you you haven't taken it. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, and I have the little pill box for like, you know, the, a weekly pill box. And that I highly recommend because that makes it so much easier to take to take pills every day. 
And uh, anyway, the other thing is, uh, I know you've mentioned the Waze app. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really recommend that. I've been using, been using that a lot. Um, that's a GPS navigation app, and it's like crowdsourced and um, tells you if there's a traffic, if there's a speed cop ahead and that kind of thing. So it's really cool. Um, the other thing is, have you tried, I want to get some computer anti-glare glasses. Have you tried anything like that at all? Yeah, the Gunner glasses are really good. You're getting, you have the Gunner ones, yeah. I'm going to try. No, I don't, I, I don't oh, have don't. it, but I've tested, I've played around with them. I don't, you know, the thing is, honestly, as you know, I don't look at the computers very often. I'm on the, my phone yeah, most sure. of the time, and it's a different sure. issue. But no, Gunner makes, I think they're the nicest looking, and they're, they're really effective. I saw, I saw, I found a, um, a Gizmag, no, not Gizmag, a, a Lifehacker article recommending the, <laughs> a cheaper equivalent called Gamma Ray. Um, uh, I mean, you know, they, they, the gunners are probably better and look better, but um, these are a fraction of the price. So I'm going to get these. A oh, first. no, I, I'm just looking at these uh, right now. I've never heard of these, but yeah. this this looks totally fine to me, actually. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I would try these, yeah, and see how it does for it. Yeah. So I'm going to try those. I'm going to try the anti-glare because I sit down at the computer. And, um, anyway, um, that's one thing. Anyway, I'll report back on those, how those go. Um, Please do. Yeah. Anyway, I think I think that's all I have at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So uh, the next one is uh, called Build Fire, and this is build amazing mobile apps in minutes. Um, so you know, again, there's lots and lots of services out there that that tell you that that let you build apps really easily and stuff. But yeah. uh, this one is one of the nicer ones I've seen. Actually, I have to say, it's really really cool looking and. I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm going to do this, but I've been playing around with the idea of having a less doing app for a really long time, and um, this one is the first one that makes me really want to do it. So there right. you go. <laughs> again, well, that, what, what do you think uh, for, for for less doing? You mean? Yeah, I mean, um, again, I'm not. I'm not announcing that I'm doing this. I don't necessarily want to do this, but a lot of people have said that they thought I should make an app that like lists all the different productivity services that I recommend or things like that, which I don't personally think is that useful. But if other people do and it's easy enough for me to make this, then then I can do that. That That's a cool idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd be interested to see what it, what it does because um, I I mean, it must be, it seems like such a, such an in-depth and careful, um, process building i know app. you know yeah. it has to be perfect it has to you know look good and um work on different platforms that kind of thing well it doesn't have to work on different platforms but you know it's good if it can right yeah yeah um so, cool. okay so the last one i want to share is called award me and this is something I, as i've been traveling more and more i keep looking at like airline reward programs and also websites to help you manage all those rewards uh, and so this one, this is slightly different, but it's really cool. Um, Award Me tracks your spending and card offers, so you never miss an opportunity to earn free travel points. So it's pretty cool. Uh, uh, first of all, you can actually manage your credit cards and stuff, and so you can see what, what kind of charges there were. Uh, okay. But it'll help you maximize your card benefits. So it's like it says, do you know when to use what card at what time? No. Well, we do. <laughs> maximize your leverage by knowing which card to use and when. So it's showing like, if you use this card at a restaurant right now, you're going to get two points per dollar as opposed to using this card, which will give you one point. Uh, you know, yeah. So it'll show you, you know, and, and this is oh, relevant cool. for people. Yeah. So yeah. if you have like a lot of cards and you're, you're like, you walk into Panera, for example, you can pull up the app and it'll be like, look, use this card to get the most possible points right mm. now. Oh, that's brilliant. I, um, it can make a big difference. 
Is it specifically for travel points or is it just for any kind of? Protocol? It's for points, period, actually. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, I should, I should check into that because we, we, we get, you know, we get a lot of points. We have a lot of cards and we pay for everything on the credit card, we pay it all off each month. And we get thousands of dollars of, of, um, gift cards is what we actually generally use every year from just from the credit card points. And we don't pay any interest because we pay the balance off. And, um, it's kind of a, it's a big secret, but our big secret is to, you don't buy the products. We use thank you part. Thank you points, and we're with Citibank. Uh-huh. The, our secret is not to like you. Don't go onto the thank you point website and buy the junk that they're selling. Uh, you go onto their website and you get gift cards from Best Buy or Home Depot or where, wherever they have, and you use those, and you tend to get a lot better value that way. Interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. That's yeah, a good trick. Yeah. Actually, I know you. You've used that to buy like iPhones and stuff. We've done it to buy all of our iPhones, iPads, and everything basically. Yeah. I mean, awesome. this is the disadvantage. You have to wait for the, the gift card to come in the mail, which right. typically takes about a week as opposed to just ordering it and getting it right away. Um, sure. Ordering whatever the product is you want. Anyway. Cool. Okay. Well, um, that's all we got for today. So uh, thanks, Felix, for your stuff. And thank you, everybody, for listening. That was episode uh, cool. 164. Thanks. And enjoy the interview with Josh Davis. The book is really, really great. All right. Thanks, everybody. The Less Doing Podcast pulls together the top experts in the industry to help you optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life so you can start doing the things you really want to do again. What would you do if you could only work an hour a day? Would you crumble or would you thrive? When I was sick with Crohn's disease, I was faced with that reality because there were days when I literally couldn't eke out more than an hour of work a day. And I had to figure out ways to not only get everything done, but get more done than I was doing before. And that is how Less Doing was born. Less Doing is about you. It's the easiest way to learn and implement a huge amount of productivity tips into your life in a short amount of time. Whether you're a crazy busy business owner, a tired executive in a large company, or a stressed out soccer mom, we've brought it all together for you to help you overcome the overwhelm in your life. For the latest how-tos and actual tips on becoming more productive, sign up for my newsletter, over at lessdoing.com. But I want to offer you all something more. As listeners of this podcast, I want to give you the opportunity to get on the phone with one of my Less Doing certified coaches. I've trained each one of them myself, and they really know what they're doing. The first call is completely free, and you will get some real advice and tips on how you can be more productive in your life and get back to making things easier again. Thanks for listening, and now enjoy the interview. So now I'm speaking with Josh Davis, who is the director of research for the Neuroleadership Institute and author of the new book, Two Awesome Hours. So Josh, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So first of all, tell us what the Neuroleadership Institute is. Uh, The Neuroleadership Institute is a uh, think tank and consultancy. We, uh, We translate neuroscience and psychology findings for business uses. Um, so we have a few, we, we run some education programs uh, for individuals and then for organizations, we have a few practice areas, uh, performance, diversity, and learning. So, I mean, and this is right in line with the kind of stuff that just gets me like giddy, basically, but um, <laughs> it, it's, you know, people usually think about 
athletes using performance enhancing information, or not performance enhancing, but uh, using research based and training information to really improve their performance. But the truth is that there's so much research out there on, uh, on neuroscience that uh, high performing executives can use to really up their game. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. I mean, we're we're learning about how brains work essentially, and 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 you know, and so there's so much there for you know all of the thinking work that we're doing and the emotion regulation work that we're doing throughout our days. Well, and and what I also like about that is that uh, obviously there's a very important place in in medicine and science for fixing brain problems, but what the, a lot of this is focused on is really taking something to the next level of performance. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's it's not, rather than fixing something. This is, uh, I guess, more analogous to what you'd see in positive psychology, where it's an emphasis on how do we improve the positive side of things. How do we, you know, um, more effectively do those things we might be doing well, uh, but we could learn to do them better. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, what what's your background? Like, what got you into this kind of work? Yeah, so my background is uh, well is varied. I actually started out as an engineer, and then I, I taught high school in Brooklyn in a, a last chance public school, and um, I then got into research in psychology. I was on the faculty at Barnard College of Columbia University for a number of years, um, and uh, the thing is, for me, I I love teaching, and so when I found out about the Neuroleadership Institute. Um, I was interested. I just sort of curious to try teaching to an audience of people who were going to be applying their understanding of of minds and brains in the context of work, which is where so many people spend their time these days, and also at a high level of uh, you know people who are really thriving. Uh, and so I was curious to see where that could go. Ended up loving it and getting more and more involved with the institute um, until it was just sort of a, an obvious thing to do on both sides to to transition over to being the director of research full-time. So now I do a lot of writing and speaking um, and guiding others in that process and strategically figuring out with our CEO what challenges in business need to be addressed and what research we can bring to bear and what researchers we can partner with. Um, so it's a, it's a really fun space to be in. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bet. Um, and so where did, the, where did the, uh, the genesis for the Two Awesome Hours book or project sort of come about? Yeah, so that was an independent project um, that uh, I was doing, um, actually uh, started doing before I transitioned over full-time. It was, um, uh, you know, I had noticed the same thing everybody else in the world had noticed, which is that, we, you know, everyone's getting overwhelmed with work. That it just sort of seems like more and more, the more we can be reached constantly on our devices and uh, for various reasons, it just seems like, work is constant. And the typical reaction has been, and I was guilty of this too, has been to, uh, you know, just say, okay, I, I need to stay on, on task entirely. I need to have um, no breaks. I got to focus every minute of the day. I need to work more hours just because, you know, there's so much to do. How else am I going to get it done unless I just work constantly? But that turns out to be a terrible solution for a human being. Um, you know, I think many of us have had that experience that it doesn't, you know, as much as we do that, we're still overwhelmed. Well, what we can do, though, is we can be very effective for short periods of time. I think we've all had those, those, you know, maybe it's just a half hour, maybe it's two, three, four hours, where we're highly productive, highly effective. 
getting the really important stuff done, really making some breakthroughs, going to carry us through the whole week even. And then a couple of days where nothing's happening, we're just kind of spinning our wheels. So the question was, you know, if we can do that sometimes, can we do it more often or at will? Um, and so it was, it was a question about how can we set up the conditions for those brief periods of really being effective? Um, and, uh, and so I turned to neuroscience and psychology research to see what I could learn about that. Is this something we can learn to do when we need to at will? And, and really started to shift the way you would approach your day because it's, it then becomes about, about thinking about, well, how can I set up a couple of hours? And there's nothing magic about two hours, but it's, it's a reasonable amount of time that anyone can achieve. But how can I set up a couple of hours when I can really be on when I need to be understanding that I don't need to be on the whole time all day long, and I can't be, but I can do the stuff that doesn't need my best attention at those times. Uh, and it ends up making making for a day where we work less uh, and, and we're more effective, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's so amazing to me when you talk to people about these kinds of strategies, because I, I, I certainly try to get people to do this kind of stuff, obviously, that it's almost like a guilt thing. You know, they'd rather work inefficiently for eight hours and get less done than work less time or be seen to be, you know, working less time, even though they're getting more done. Absolutely. There's, there is a cultural shift that uh, will be, I, I predict, will be taking place along with our awakening to how brains really work. Um, but yes, uh, you know, I'll often, I think we all encounter people who will almost be bragging about how little sleep they got and how much work they were doing. And, you know, since I've been doing this research and learning more about it, I actually, this happened completely by accident. I wasn't, I honestly wasn't trying to have this reaction. It just came out that somebody, this was a person in their 50s who had been doing this for decades, you know, was uh, just sort of, I came, was, was in the office one day and, and was saying, um, you know, uh, telling me about how how she was working constantly, hadn't had a break, and all that, and uh, and my immediate reaction, without thinking about it, was to just sort of have a look on my face and saying, "Oh, I'm so sorry." And I realized, and we both realized in that moment, what a what an unusual response that is. You know, that it, it was such a break, and it really called out. You know, this is a different way of looking at things. That that's something that you know. That the overworking is something that to really feel sorry for someone about, as opposed to something to have pride in. It's uh, you know I think there's a shift that's possible, and essentially I think what's going to make it happen is is that as we learn about how brains work, it no longer becomes just advice. It's no longer well someone's you know somebody who did well said to do this. You know it's like well maybe that would work, but maybe it only works for them. But when we learn how brains work, then it's, then it's a different story. It's like, well, this is how brains work. You know, would you like to work with that or not? It's a much easier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just much easier to go along with it. Why not, why not use the hardware that we have? Right. So wh what are some of the strategies that you typically recommend people try in order to take more advantage of this? Yeah, yeah. So some of the things that I learned were these that um, – there are, first of all, there really are only a handful of day, uh, moments throughout the day when we can really make decisions about what task to do next. Now, we're making lots of little decisions all the time. You and I are making lots of decisions right now about what to say next and how long to keep talking, etc. But, but the decision about what task to work on, you know, whether to get on this phone call, whether to be working on a presentation or a report or filling in, you know, uh, some kind of spreadsheet, you know, whatever task it is, 
that we have these decision points when we can choose to get started on something only when we're really kind of in between tasks or when we're really consciously aware. Most of the time we're on autopilot. Once we get going, we're basically on autopilot. You start checking email, it can be, you know, an hour later before you really can step back and catch yourself. You know, one ends and the next one sort of sort of half half automatically you get triggered to check it. We tend to operate that way. And there are these these few moments during the day when we're more consciously aware. Um, I call these our decision points. We're more consciously aware of of the of what we can do, but they tend to be unpleasant. We tend to uh, kind of feel like we're not being productive in those moments, that we just need to get started on something, and we try to rush through them. For, for example, right after you get off the phone or right after a meeting has ended or first thing in the morning before you started work, uh, you know, when you're just getting back after lunch, uh, after somebody's just interrupted you and left, actually, that was, that's, a, that's a fun one. There's a moment there that tends to feel uncomfortable because we feel unproductive. We want to rush through it. But in fact, that moment is golden. And even if you savored it and you really indulged, you'd only spend a few minutes. But in those minutes, you can step back and figure out what to work on. So there's the famous advice, do what's important, not what's urgent. But the question is, how do we do that? We, we, we know what's important, but how do we actually do that? Catching these decision moments, recognizing them when they occur in the day, can be enough to do that. A couple of minutes right then to just step back, breathe, walk around the room, whatever it is, until you remember what really matters, and then get started. Time doesn't get wasted in, the, in those moments between tasks. Time gets wasted when we get started on the wrong thing. So that's, that's a big one. I like that. That's a really good way to put it. What, um, what, is, what does a typical day look like for you? I know you're doing a lot of research and writing, but what's, what's sort of your, your routine? Yeah, so my day has a lot of flexibility. Um, and I do want to point out that uh, it was important to me in the book to um, think about the days of people who don't have a lot of flexibility. So my wife, for example, is a physician, and she has very little flexibility in her day. So, so you know, what, while I have a lot of flexibility and I can take advantage of the various options that I learned about more frequently, it doesn't mean that you have to have a flexible day to do that. So for me, um, I oftentimes, uh, uh, when I get up, in the morning, I will have some important project that um, that is creative of some kind. So either preparing a presentation, writing a paper, um, you know, it may be uh, working on a new model. Um, it may be creatively thinking about how we're going to, you know, what we're going to do at our our summit um, uh, for, for for the Neuro Leadership Institute, which is in November fourth and fifth in New York. <laughs> um, so these. Uh, uh, you know, so so when I get up in the morning, it's it's a there tends to be a few hours that are going to be my own, and I could easily get started on email, but I've learned not to. I've learned that I tend to be very good in the mornings. Um, not the same for everyone, but I tend to be. So I'll if like I'm what feeling time? right, uh, whatever time it is, you know, it could be eight a.m., nine a.m., ten a.m. Uh, you know, when I'm when I'm really getting down to things, I can take an hour, a couple hours to do that. I may have meetings though in the mornings, in which case, you know, then I'll then I'll do that. But what's important to me is I will look at my day and I'll think about what time during the day do I have something really critical. And one of the things that I'll do is to make sure that in the half hour before that, I'm not engaging in things that are likely to be very taxing, like, you know, uh, dealing with a highly emotionally charged issue, a very difficult conversation. 
Um, I'm not going to try to catch up on email actually right then because there are many small decisions that will tax my decision-making abilities. Even though they're not important decisions, they're still taxing the same brain regions. And so that can fatigue me. Uh, but what I will do instead is get a little bit of exercise because exercise, uh, moderate exercise, you know, we tend to, when we think about exercise, we tend to think of it as important for the long term. We think of it as maybe it'll help me live longer down the road. Maybe it'll make me look better down the road. But there's a totally different side of exercise that we seldom talk about, which are the short term consequences. How is it going to make me feel in the next three hours, in the next five hours, in the next 30 minutes? How's it going to make me think? So moderate exercise, not killing yourself, not overdoing it, but let's say 20 minutes on the treadmill, 15 minutes going up and down the stairs, that sort of thing. That's going to, it's one of the most reliable ways we know actually to reduce anxiety. It's sort of an, a reset button that's going to work almost all the time. Uh, and it's going to, you know, we're talking about for the next few hours, going to make it easier to let the unimportant things go that don't matter improve mood, and make it easier to concentrate on those things that matter, to be present. So if I've got to be really on, then I try to work that in. So those are some of the things, some things I won't do, and then some of the things I will do for that period in the day when I know I need to be present. And the other times of the day, I'll save for the things where I don't really need to be so present, where it is a little bit more rote. Okay, so that's pretty cool. And then, I mean, part of this too, I would say, is is also very. I mean, at least in my mind, is very freeing, because you're you're allowing yourself to get really high quality work done in the right amount of time. And then it's it's almost like anything beyond that is gravy. I I I think that's a really nice way of looking at it. Yeah, um, it's a different set of expectations about what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, exactly. And that fits better with what we can accomplish. But that also actually is likely to lead us to, it really is gravy at that point. There are only a few things that really matter to do well <laughs> in, in, most in most work. Well, okay. So now the, the question that a lot, I mean, I, I deal with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of small business owners and, and the like. But of course, I'm also dealing with people who are in corporate jobs. They're lawyers, they're accountants, they're working nine to five jobs with very little flexibility. How does this, how does this work for them? Yeah. Well, actually, to refer back to what I was just saying, like a few things that that we need to do well, what I mean by that are things that we where we need to be fully present. So if, if I'm a corporate lawyer and, uh, you know, there's a lot of work that actually has become relatively routine. One of the reasons why a corporate lawyer can, um, you know, do such high level work in, you know, let's say one hour. You know, if you look at the lawyer's fees, you know, they can be very high because of the, you know, the skill with which they've learned to make it habitual so that they can be relatively on autopilot while being very sophisticated. The autopilot guides them to catch all the things that really matter to catch, to know how to put the right language on something. Um, so so there's, you know, there's contract work and things like that that actually might not require them to be um, really at their peak all day long to still be producing important work. What does matter though, is that if there's a contract where, for example, where, or a deal, where it's gonna be uh, outside of their comfort zone. And this will depend on the person. So for some people, it's the, it's the meeting, it's the personal interaction that's really gonna be a challenge, or there's a particular client that they're gonna interface with where it's critical that they get it right. And for other people, it's gonna be, you know, the challenge is gonna be, how am I gonna actually figure out these legal, like, distinctions that matter between different countries 
You know, so for whatever the piece is where you know you really want to be at your best, you could nail it if you were at your best. That's that's the you know those are the two hours to set up as being awesome for the day, um, and to put the other stuff into the other times of the day. And it really can be we can we can do it. You know, if the schedule requires that it's at five p.m., we can do that by watching for what we're doing in the hour beforehand, and also taking advantage of exercise. And food, some of the lessons about food, some of the lessons about the space in which we're working um, that are in the book, which I can I can say a little something more about any of those. Yeah, well, let's talk about the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so the environment. What uh, now? I think we all know that if we could have a beautiful private corner office uh, that was you know with a door that we could shut and we could look out over gorgeous views and we were totally connected uh, when we need to be and disconnected when we need to be, that of course it would be nice. And we don't all have access to that. But there are a number of things we can do that anyone can do in any workspace. So one of the things that was kind of amusing actually to learn uh, was uh, there, there was even a study that looked at why people leave things out on their desk. Uh, and sure enough, it's not just random. We don't tend to do it you know, just because we're not thinking. People actually tend to leave stuff out that they don't want to get to that will serve as a reminder of something, yep. right? So <laughs> right. those things that are on your desk, they are both clutter, so they're likely to grab your attention. So it's important to remember or to learn that attention systems are not designed to stay focused. They're designed to pick up on what's changing. That's their adaptive value, to help us pick up on what's changing and immediately shift our focus there. So if you lose focus easily and get distracted easily, congratulations, your brain is working properly, <laughs> right? So it's not something to beat yourself up for, but it is something to work with. If we've got a desk and it's covered with things, that means there's a lot of things that are going to be able to grab your attention. If in particular, those things are things that are reminders of what you need to be doing and didn't get around to and didn't really want to. There tends to be some emotional charge around those things too, or some guilt, right, that we haven't gotten to them yet, right? That is precisely the wrong stuff to expose your attention systems to when you want to be sitting down to work on something that you've decided is the important thing to work on right now. Right. So having a space without those things really does make a difference. And it makes enough of a difference that if you're not somebody who cleans up stuff regularly or easily, it really is worth just taking it all, putting it in a pile and putting it in a box behind you, you know, so you can't see it for that space or walking to a clean table, you know, and just setting up there or a conference room where you can shut the door. So that's, that's one piece. Another thing that we can do with the environment is to actually spread our items out across the environment, the, uh, the, the desk, for example, your water glass, you need to reach for your phone, you need to reach for, um, which is easier once it's clear, by the way. Uh, because when we have our bodies kind of folded up in a tight position, it primes different types of thoughts than when we are able to move freely and have expansive large movements. And the expansive large movements, by contrast, have been shown to prime, at least in Western cultures, feelings of power and some of the associated things that go with it, like uh, comfort taking risks and making challenging decisions, often very useful for the kinds of work that many of us are doing. So. The simple movement, larger expansive movements, and you can also do it on purpose by leaning back in your chair and putting your hands behind your head and kicking your feet up, you know, that those kinds of movements can actually influence. Right. So that makes total sense to me because I, 
I, I, I don't have an office, so I, I tend to work uh, either in a co-working space or sometimes I'll work at a client's office, and I, I basically need to be able to create an environment very quickly that I can work in, and and I pretty much carry my office and my backpack with me. And that's not, that that's, I mean, I have a wife, I have three kids, I have, you know, a home. It's not that I, I'm like just sort of like traveling the world and I need to do that, but I, I like to be able to do that so that I'm more flexible in terms of where I can get work. So, or get work done rather. Um, so, uh, that, that, I mean, that just totally makes sense to me. But we're just about out of time now. So, the last question that I always like to ask, and you've already given a bunch of actionable stuff actually, but what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? And you can interpret that however you like. Mm, okay. So, top piece of advice number one is uh, learn some self compassion. That, you know, discover by discovering some things about how your brain works you can learn what to be compassionate about when to give yourself some time and what to push yourself on uh, which things are actually going to work and which things aren't um, so uh, that can have to do with uh, recognizing your decision points it can have to do with allowing the exercise a small bit of exercise before you work um, some other things that I uh, didn't say yet one other thing I didn't say yet for example also is um, that when you get distracted in the middle of your work, understanding that mind wandering, and you can read more about it in the book, I guess, because uh, we won't have time right now, but is incredibly useful for a number of, uh, of cognitive functions. So actually allowing a little bit of mind wandering, staring out the window for a few minutes, you'll get some great processing done in the background, and you'll be back at work sooner than if you let yourself do something else like check your favorite uh, web page, you know, or whatever type of uh, fun thing you do uh, instead. Cool. <laughs> That's those are great. So, Josh, where can people find out more about the work you're doing at the Neuroleadership Institute and obviously by the book? We're going to have links to everything in the show notes, but just tell us here. Uh, fantastic. So, for the Neuroleadership Institute, it would be uh, neuroleadership.com. And there's a great web page that will guide you through anything you want, as well as can live chat with someone there and find out about all the things we have, um, including the, from the education to the annual summit to the solutions work we do with organizations, as well as just if you want to be a member and have access to our research papers and our webinars throughout the year. Um, that's a great thing to do also. Um, and for the book, it's twoawesomehours.com. And you can learn about the book there and learn a little bit more about me if you're curious. Uh, and so there are various links there to some other things that I've written as well. And you can uh, get a, an excerpt from the book uh, as well. So that's at twoawesomehours.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at uh, Josh Davis PhD. Awesome. Well, Josh, this has been great. This is so in line with everything that I always talk to people about. And I love when there's science to back it up. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It's been great. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we would love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact, and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a, a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.